0: Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost, support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, this show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively, and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always, you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back, everyone, to the 250th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. This episode is being released January 1st, 2024. So I wish all of you a very, very happy new year. And I have lots of great things planned for you this year. I have another year of wonderful experts in adolescents and emerging young adulthood. And I'm here to support you. I have a few openings for mom coaching right now. If you want to start off on the right foot with your teen or young adult, or even with your own life, I'd love to help you let go of what does not serve you and create some new healthy patterns for your life and for your family. Also, if you have a senior in high school or a kid in college and would like help with the transition, I would love you to join me and an amazing group of moms in Dial Up the Dream Book Club. Plus, if you are interested and want to find out more, email me at. Colleen at dialdownthedrama.com or you can go to my website at www.colleenogrady.com and email me from there. Today we are going to talk about the daily rituals in our life that helps ground us, help us become more present in our life and around us, help us through transitions and basically keep us sane. The super important transition is right now in terms of how we leave the old year behind and welcome the new. Our guest today is all about sacred celebrations and rituals that help us through these transitions. Elizabeth Barber, MED, has spent 23 plus years helping people integrate mind, body, and spirit for wholeness. As an intuitive life and business coach, speaker, and author, she is a creative force when it comes to releasing pain, healing wounds, transforming old stories into new beginnings, and celebrating the beauty and joy of life's milestones. Elizabeth guides women through a self-care and ritual process where grief and gratitude can live side by side. A firm believer of the power of community, she guides her clients to create connections so they aren't left to carry weight of their grief alone. As a life coach and shamanic practitioner, she brings a unique blend of traditional coaching techniques and ancient wisdom to her practice. Elizabeth is the author of two books, March Self-Care for Busy Women, and Sacred Celebrations, Designing Rituals to Navigate Life's Milestone Transitions. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, so happy to be here. Yes, this is actually the second time you've been on my podcast. Yeah. You were one of the first That's
1: many, many right. moons ago. Yes, back when you were just getting started. Look at you now. <laughs> yes.
0: So the first question I ask all my guests is, are you a mom? And if so, what's the age of your kids?
1: Yes, I am a mom to a daughter, Riley, who is about to enter the teen years. She's about to turn 13 next month. Oh, my gosh. I remember her way back when. I know. I think you (laughs) met her when she was two. I think so. so. You know, I read Dial Down the Drama when you first published it and now I have it on my nightstand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, so we kind of met because of writing and now you have just published your book, Sacred Celebrations, Designing Rituals to Navigate Life's Milestone Transitions. So I'm wondering if you can tell us why you felt called to write this book and a little bit of the background story.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. And then uh, you were there for a lot of it. So I've been doing rituals for many, many years, probably 20 at least, probably even younger. But it was after my mom died. My adoptive mom died in 2016 when I was living in Houston. And I had planned on burying her in a more traditional funeral in Florida next to my dad who had passed many years prior. And a friend of Houston said, no, Elizabeth, you have to do something here now in Houston because your friends want to come and support you. And I ended up creating this white rose ceremony, which you participated in along with about 30 other friends. And it was such a beautiful gathering of bringing women together, not only to talk about my mom and honor her life and, you know, sort of celebrate her legacy, but really to talk about the connections that mothers and daughters have. And that we have with the women in our lives. And after that event, I got so much positive feedback from people saying, wow, that was such a beautiful experience. And I'm so honored to participate in that. And I'm going to remember it for a long time to come. And that's when I realized that I really needed to start teaching and writing about rituals and how to create them. Well, I'm so glad that you
0: did. So Yeah. Can you tell them a little bit more about what that
1: was? Because it was beautiful to participate. We started off in your house. That's right. Yeah, we started off in my house and I invited women from all aspects of my life. In fact, maybe only three or four had actually met my mother because she had only lived in Houston for a few years before she died. But it was people from Zumba and book club and our speaker friends and coach friends and neighbors And yeah, we gathered in my house. I remember my friend Angie was passing out white roses to everybody. And I invited all the women in the room to walk down. We were walking down to a bridge near my house over a little creek. And I invited them as they were meandering down the pathway to connect with another woman they hadn't yet met and to talk about their mother relationships. Talk about their relationship with their own mom, their grandmothers, talk about what it was like to be a mother, talk about their aunties, all of that. And so I just wanted people because they didn't know each other. So I wanted them to connect as we arrived at the gallery. And then we met at the bridge. And you remember it was a really hot day. Do you remember <laughs> that? As yeah. Only Houston can be. <laughs> I mean, we were sweating. It was September. <laughs> and I remember a couple of women had umbrellas. Because the heat was so bad. And I remember we stood sort of in a semicircle on that bridge. And you all so kindly and lovingly listened to me while I talked about Joan and shared her life story, which was a really challenging one. And about our relationship, which was a really challenging one. <laughs> but all the love and healing that came as a result of her sickness and her final years that we got to spend together in Houston as I cared for her. And then after that, I invited everybody to talk about their moms. And we remember we popcorned around, and I asked everybody, say, you know, what's something you learned from your mom? Mm -hmm. And so women said things like, you know, strength and perseverance and humor and cooking and you know, different things like Mm -hmm. that. At one point, I remember we all said our mothers' names to sort of honor the mothers in our lives. And then at the end of the gathering, on the count of three, we all leaned over the edge of the bridge and released our white roses into the creek. And we chose white roses because white roses are symbolic of light and love. I think they're a really good flower to work with when you're doing grief work. So do you remember how beautiful it was for all those roses to just go, "Oh, yeah.
0: It was really beautiful. And of course, me and my work, I love anything around mothers and daughters. And we were honoring your mom and our moms. And even there's 30, 40 women there. It was very intimate. And maybe I knew half the people there. And then I felt like they were all friends when we left. And it was sacred. It was a sacred experience.
1: So it was really sacred. I remember somebody after the... Flowers passed underneath the bridge. They passed from one side to the other because that just happened to be the way current was going. I didn't plan it that way. And someone remarks, they said, oh, that's like your mom passing from this world to the next. Mm-hmm. So the symbolism was there, even though we didn't plan it that way.
0: Yes. So those are great reasons to write your book. So why are rituals important? I think we may know that because of what we just talked about. So, why are rituals important and why do we need them even more today than ever?
1: Well, I think rituals are important because they help us to slow down. We are living in such a busy, fast paced world. And I know that you are busy like that, as are probably a lot of the moms who listen to you on a regular basis. And we are going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And sometimes we just don't have. Any time to even take a breath. And when we create a ritual, whether it's a a simple daily thing like sitting with your cup of tea on the back porch for five minutes, even, and just savoring that in the silence and listening to the birds in the morning, you know, such a simple thing. But whether it's that or whether it's something like a funeral or a wedding or any other kind of celebration that we can talk about, it allows us to slow down. It allows us to remove the chaos, the noise, the chatter from our regular lives and allows us to focus and really be present in the moment. Yeah, that's so
0: important. You know, I was thinking about celebrations and I remember one story of a a mom that I saw in my practice and she was having a birthday party for her seven-year-old boy Mm -hmm. and she had worked and worked and worked and worked on this birthday party. See, she had stations for all the kids in her backyard and in her house and decorated and just like it was so much, so much that she did for this party. She put so much energy into this party that when it started, all she could do was sit on the sofa and she couldn't even participate. She was so done. Mm, That's so sad. I know. And I think that there's that element of a lot of the celebrations, I think, that moms will do is we put so much energy and effort into it and we consider everyone else. But then we don't seem to participate or we don't slow down like this mom kind of missed the
1: party that she created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything you want to say to that? Well, I think that's a good example of sometimes less is more. (laughs) You know, if we do too much and go too over the top, we miss the point. We miss the sacred opportunity for connection. And not saying that big and fun and playful can be really fun. But if it causes you to miss out on -hmm. the meaning and the magic, why do we celebrate birthdays? We celebrate birthdays because they're the end of one cycle the end of one year and the beginning of a new one. So mm-hmm. it's just that moment in time where we just pause and go, wow, we just finished up being seven years old. Now we're going to be eight years old. And what is it going to be like that's different than seven? It is very subtle, but it's an important distinction. And that's yeah. why I've been a big fan of celebrating birthdays for years. And some of my friends, I know, roll their eyes at me, but I'm like, this is a big deal. You only get a birthday once a year. Take advantage. (laughs) Okay. So the elements
0: that are important in ritual, let's talk about some of those elements. One would be,
1: it should be about connection. Yes. And what else? I think it's about intention. It's what are we intending? What do we desire? What do we want to create at this point in time? I think, yes, connection with other people for sure. And I would add to that connection with our senses, connecting with the five senses, because when we do that, it helps us to be more embodied and be present in the moment. So adding in sensory elements like, music and smells and tastes of foods and all of that. You know, say, think about going to a a wedding and, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, the food was so delicious and the cake was so moist. Whatever it is that they're, they're remembering, oh, the flowers were gorgeous and they smelled so good. Or, you know, we were down by the ocean and the salt air. You know, it's those sensory things that help us not only to around in the present moment but they also help us with the recall later yeah you know i think part of what's so magical about sacred celebrations is that it's not just the point in time it's when you look back a year later or five years later or 25 years later Mm
0: -hmm. and you
1: can connect in and remember you know, what did it feel like to stand in a circle of people and pledge my love to somebody and be witnessed for that or you know, what was it like when my baby was born and my siblings and my parents came to the hospital to greet and welcome this new life? You know, those are the things we remember. Mm, that's great.
0: So why do we resist celebrations and what makes
1: a celebration sacred? Well, I think we resist them for a lot of different reasons. I think it really, a lot of it comes from how were you raised, how was it modeled for you? Was celebration something that was automatic in your family and you were real comfortable with it? You know, maybe your parents made a big deal out of birthdays or holidays, or did you grow up in an environment where they weren't really a big deal? And it was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you got straight A's. Eh, That's what you're expected to do. You know, next, Mm -hmm. you know, versus the family that says, hey, you got straight A's. Like, no, let's get pizza tonight to celebrate or, you know, whatever. So I think that's part of the resistance. I think for some people, maybe they don't like being the center of attention. For other people, they might think, oh, if I celebrate, I'm being too boastful. I remember actually, I had a client many, many years ago, really, really top producing realtor nationwide. And she got all these awards, like all the time. And I would say, why aren't you shouting this from the rooftop? She said, oh, you know, I, I don't want to be too full of myself. I don't want to be too big for my britches. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is an opportunity to share with people that, hey, you know, I'm kind of good at what I do. Mm -hmm. So it's a marketing opportunity, but really it's a chance to say thank you. It's a chance to say thank you to your clients and your friends and your family who help support you so that you could achieve this level of success. Because anyone who's successful doesn't do it by themselves. They do it with the help of other people. Right. Yeah, that's great. And so what makes a celebration sacred? There's so many things. I think the sacredness comes again from the presence that we were talking about. And particularly when you're with other people, it comes from the witnessing. The I see you, I honor your pain. If it's a sad situation, you know, maybe someone you know who's lost a loved one or going through a divorce, and I see you. And I see your pain and I'm so sorry for that. And I'm here. I may not know what to say or what to do, but I'm here. And conversely, I see your joy. I see that you had a baby or you got your master's degree or you're getting married or you bought a house. And I want to celebrate that joy with you. You know, There's an old saying, share your pain and it halves the burden and share your joy and it doubles the joy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can put that <laughs> properly, but you get the essence of it, right? Yeah it's, that, yeah, it's that when we witness one another, it makes it easier to carry whatever it is. So to me, that's really the most sacred element is the witnessing.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes you would think that sharing your joy and witnessing someone else's joy would be like an easier thing, but sometimes it isn't. People are jealous or people... You have friends that aren't happy for you that you got remarried or so finding people who actually can witness that
1: and share your joy, I think is so important. Well, I think that's a great point, Colleen. And I also think that we have to be mindful of when we are able to fully show up for people. I remember, you know, normally the birth of a baby is a really happy thing, right? But I remember when I was going through my fertility journey, you know, five and a half years of infertility before we ended up adopting our daughter. And every time I would get a baby announcement or an invitation to a baby shower, I wanted to throw up. I was angry. I was upset. I was sad. And of course, I had nothing to do with those people. I had nothing to do with them. And of course, I was happy for them. But I could not in good conscience, show up at the time the way I would have liked to because I was just in my own grief and pain. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's just important to honor yourself and your emotions about how you're feeling and you know, if someone's having birthday party, and you're having a really hard day, it's okay to say, you know, happy birthday, and I love you. And I'm just sorry, I can't make it today. Yeah.
0: So tell us about some milestone transitions that you talked about in the
1: book, because you have a lot. Yes, <laughs> there are quite a few. Well, there's the standard ones, you know, birth and death, weddings, divorces. But I think some of the ones we talk about that might pertain to your audience a little Mm -hmm. bit more on the moms who listen are certainly educational milestones, graduations from high school, college, graduate school, all of that is so important. And then I think the women's life transitions that we go through, you know, when our daughters get their first periods, when they maybe start dating for the first time, coming of age ceremonies, some traditions You know, like in the Jewish tradition, you know, they have the bat mitzvah and the bar mitzvah for boys. There's confirmation in some Christian traditions. And, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, vision quest. There's a lot of different coming of age rituals that we can take a look at too. But I think that we've lost so much of the more ancient honoring of those rituals. And I'm not totally sure why. I do think some of it is the fast pace of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're distracted with technology, too much noise, too much information, too much news. And more disconnected from the earth, from the land, from our families. You know, we used to live intergenerationally, right? Multigenerational. You know, you might have grandparents and then parents and then children all living under one roof or very near each other. And we don't tend to live like that.
0: So let me ask you this let's say that you have a daughter that's graduating from middle school mm-hmm. or high school. A mom wants to have a graduation party, a ritual. What could she do? If you're going to give some of these moms some ideas that can make that more than just, you know, we all ate salads and head cake. How could you make that more special, more like what you're talking about?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I would love to see and actually, now that we're talking about this, I need to take notes when it's my daughter's turn for these things. <laughs> we're not quite there yet. We're close. She's in seventh grade. But, you know, I'd love to see whether it was graduation from eighth grade or from 12th grade, moms gather with their friends, other mom friends, and have the daughters gather and really honor and celebrate these girls for this rite of passage, you know, for completing eighth grade or completing 12th grade. And making a big deal of it, perhaps with a special meal and with talking with the girls, getting them to talk about what did you learn? Mm. How have you grown? What have you accomplished? And what are your hopes and dreams for the next stage? You know, if you're heading into high school, it's like, ooh, you know, what do you want to see happen in high school? Or if you're leaving high school and either headed out into the work world or heading off to college, go, ooh, you know, what do you want to see for that? and engage in some rich conversation, getting the girls to talk. But also, I think having the moms reflect back to their daughters, here's what I see. I Mm -hmm. see you being smart. I see you being brave. I see you being accomplished. And reflecting that, you know, especially, and maybe it's because I'm in the middle school years, but you know, there's a lot of mean girls out there. You know, hopefully they all grow up. But you know, hopefully they grow and learn and move past that phase. But I think our young girls are bombarded with negative messages and societal expectations. And for them to hear from the women, their moms, their mom's best friends, their neighbors, their teachers, that, hey, we see your brilliance. We see your intellect. We see your beauty. We see your potential and your possibility you know we see what lies ahead for you and we're so excited to watch you grow into this next version of yourself that's mm-hmm. i think would yeah. be way more meaningful than just going to the shopping.
0: Yeah. i love that the mom's gathering and maybe writing cards and writing yes. things in the card that they read and that they can take that because i know in some of those senior retreats. They get parents to write letters, but doing something like that for graduation. And what I was just thinking as you're talking, I think something that I think moms, we can look deeper in ourselves is I think sometimes as our girls get older or our boys get older, that there's a lot of fear about that. There's a lot of anxiety. And so it's hard to celebrate, you know, our girls are getting older or dating or whatever, or even driving because there's fear of like, now what? So to take time to celebrate and really see our kids as an eighth grader or a senior, because I think the girls want to be seen or the guys want to be seen as, it's like moms, we can have a limited way we see our kids and they want us to see them as older, whatever that Mm -hmm. older is. Mm -hmm. So if
1: we can give them some kind of feedback, that's a beautiful thing. That's so true. I love the example you just gave about driving. And I'll be honest, I can't remember if it made it into my book or not. Because I read a whole <laughs> thing about driving and then I'm not sure if we kept it in there, or if we got it. But this idea of making a ritual out of your student learning how to drive and, you know, making it this sacred occasion because it is a big responsibility to mm-hmm. get behind the wheel of a car you're taking your own life in your hands, you're putting other people's lives on the line when you're on the road. And so really honoring the gravity of it saying, you know, you've worked hard to learn this to get your license, we're here to support you, maybe give them a little driver's kit, you know, with safety things that they might need. And maybe even including a little talisman, it could be a little angel to keep you safe while you're driving or who's the patron saint of travel. Christopher? Is that know. Christopher? Yeah, <laughs> I am thinking it might be Christopher. I, forgive me if I don't know that. But, you know, it's like maybe giving them a little medallion or if you're into crystals, you know, giving them a special crystal that they could keep on the dashboard of their car to help keep them safe. You know, and even going so far as to write a contract with your children about driving and signing it and saying, if you commit to doing this, we'll commit to doing this, you know, to keep you safe and to support you. I think you can definitely make all of those things a little yes. mini sacred celebration.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I think there's a difference between the contracts. I think a lot of times parents will go into more contracts with driving, which is more about control. Yes, And that's different from celebrating, making this kind of new, stepping into a new level of life of independence of being able to drive.
1: Yes. And maybe the distinction there is contract versus commitment. You know, like I don't intend, now granted, my daughter's not behind the wheel of the car yet. So I might change my tune in a few years, but you know, I don't intend that she's going to be a perfect driver. I intend that she'll be as mindful as possible. And that my number one concern is her safety. And that, you know, if she has a thunderbender in the parking lot or wherever, it's okay. Just do your best to be safe. Mm -hmm.
0: So tell us about morning, evening rituals, gratitude rituals. You know, because I think sometimes we think these can be really a lot of work and they don't have to be.
1: Mm -mm. Well, certainly, I think morning rituals, when we can build time into our schedule to have a little bit of extra white space before we jump into a busy day, that's always going to set us up for success. So if that's 10 minutes, if it's 20 minutes, if it's 30 minutes, if you're lucky enough, maybe an hour or more. I don't think most of us have that these days, but sometimes. And I think taking time to start off your morning with either journaling or writing out some intentions, maybe doing some inspirational reading. If you're into goddess cards and angel cards and that kind of thing, you know, pulling a card for the day that sort of becomes your meditation or your focal point. I know a lot of people have like daily devotionals where Mm -hmm. maybe they just read a page, like, you know, sort of a prayer for the day. I think anything you can do, certainly physically to move your body as a moving meditation. Sure, if you can go to the gym, that's great. But, you know, even if it's just five, 10 minutes of yoga stretches in the morning and waking your body up and being mindful about it, not just doing the stretching, but thanking your body for being strong and resilient and carrying you through a really busy life. You know, so if you're working and you've got kids, you know, there's a lot going on. So I think in the morning rituals, anything sensory is good. Tasty coffee or tea, stepping outside, putting your bare feet on the ground, listening to the birds, looking up at the sky, listening to some fun music, anything like that, that kind of gets the senses connected. Yeah. So my
0: daily ritual is that I walk up to Starbucks in the morning. Nice. And so I do the same thing. I say my prayers and I look up, make sure that I look up and I look up above the trees and I look at the sky. And it's like my favorite part of my day. And then, of course, the reward of the walk is I get my coffee and then it's just wonderful. So
1: that is a lovely way for me to wake up in the morning. And let me ask you, Colleen, why is that your favorite part of the day? How does it make you feel when you do that? Well, that's
0: a great question. And I think that gets back to the sensory thing is I always know I'm doing well if I notice something is beautiful. So mm-hmm. on the walk, my mind is quiet where I'm saying my prayers, but I'm noticing that the sky is blue, I'm noticing the sun, I'm noticing flowers, I'm noticing yes, I live in Houston and there's still flowers blooming. But it's I'm just way more present. And like you said, my life is way slowed down.
1: I'm not thinking about anything else. Yeah. And that's your commitment to yourself and your relationship with yourself, which is really one of the most important relationships we have, right? Yeah. And, and giving ourselves that time and space and presence and permission to just be. is yes. a really good grounded way to start
0: your day. So that's why I wanted to, to talk about rituals for moms, because I think we have to have our own personal rituals to help us be still. To be grounded before our kids just inhale this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think the gratitude ritual is something worth mentioning as well mm-hmm. because I remember, gosh, it was what, 20 years ago, I think it was Oprah who really publicized it and was like, everybody should do their gratitudes. But really, decades before Oprah, there were plenty of other people talking about it too. And it's this idea that when we can be very intentional with our gratitude, it can shift everything. You know, we're barraged with all this negative news, and I don't know, maybe you had a flat tire that day, and someone yelled at you at work, and you're like, oh my god. But then you go, but well, wait a minute! What were the good things from today? Oh, you know, the birds were singing, or my kid came home from school and cleaned up their room, and I didn't have to ask them. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <the sun laughs> of the it's a miracle. I know. <laughs> I think that when we can pause and look at just those little things, I have a Facebook group called Sacred Celebrations. And every Tuesday, I call it Gratitude Tuesday. And it's like, what well, are just three things in this moment that you're grateful for? And again, it goes back to presence. It allows us to slow down, to pause and go, oh, what is it right now? Is it the kitty cat on my lap? Is it the kind word that the person in the grocery store said to me today? Is it that I got some accolades at work and I'm really so pleased with the outcome of that particular situation? So, no. yeah, I think the gratitude is really key. And I'm a big, big fan of not only doing gratitude yourself, but doing it with your family. Yes.
0: So that would so, be a good ritual
1: with your family. Yes. I know some families. A lot of my coaching clients that I work with, you know, I'll encourage them to do it as part of sort of a daily grace. You know, if you sit down at the family dinner, after you say grace, then maybe everyone goes around and has a chance to say, you know, what's something I'm grateful for from the day. In other families where they maybe are running in 5,000 different directions because you've got soccer and lacrosse and acting and, you know, music lessons, you know, keep a little jar, keep a jar out or a bowl on a kitchen table and have little slips of paper on it and just encourage people to write down their gratitudes. You know, oh gosh, you know, mom packed my lunch today or my sister helped me out with this or the dog made me happy (laughs) when I was sad when I came home from school, you know, whatever. And then you, you put them in the bowl or the jar and then once a week, maybe Sunday night when you have regular family dinner, you sit down and you go through them together. And so it's an opportunity for kids to also get to express their gratitudes as well, not just the grownups. Yeah,
0: I love this. I think these celebrations and rituals are so important today and just how you started off. I mean, unfortunately, it's rare that we slow down, especially as moms. It's like we're going and we've got 5 billion things in our heads from what kind of napkins do we need to buy for dinner. I mean, there's lots of little details to big things, to a parent that's aging, to worrying about our kid and they seem depressed or grades or there's so many, many things that our minds are going 100,000 miles an hour. And I think these little rituals that you're talking about are really just vital for our mental health that we can go down, Oh actually, my day started in a really good way. Now I remember that. I'm in a tizzy right now. But I can (laughs) if I go back a few hours, it was really good. I think that's very helpful. All right. Let's talk about rituals for the holidays. Okay. And then maybe we could lead with you talking about is there like a New Year's ritual? It seems like that might be a really good one because you're talking about the ending of something and the beginning of something, the, the ending of one year and the beginning of a new year. So maybe you could give us some ideas about that. Sure, that's great.
1: Well, one thing I'll just say in general about holidays is do what works for you and leave the rest. And that's something I learned many, many years ago. I mean, I don't even have my Christmas tree up. I'm like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I, mean, right. I have other decorations out. But I was like, I don't have time to get a tree and put the ornaments on it. I'm a single mom now. I'm like, ah, you know, we'll be fine without a tree this year. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. the end of the world. You know, so it's about really focusing on what matters the most during mm-hmm. the holiday season, whatever that is for you and whatever your faith tradition is. But not feeling like you have to keep up with the Joneses and really focus in and really maybe even sitting down with your family and saying, OK, what's most important to you? what's most important to you, what's most important to you, and have everybody speak one thing that matters most to them. And then build your holiday celebrations, whatever they are around those things. That's great. And then for New Year's, yes, it's a wonderful time to have the ending of one year and the beginning of the new year. But really, if you think about it, it's really the winter solstice where that begins sort of the ending of the year because the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year what's that december 21st i think Mm. and then the light begins to return Mm. after so that's why i think any time between solstice and the first of the year is a good time to really be looking at at some of these rituals new year's rituals um i think a couple things you can do and one thing i'll just share if it's okay is if any of your listeners end up I have a free gift on my website. It's called Seven Daily Rituals for Self-Care, Sanity, and Success. (laughs) Love it. if they go to my website and sign up for that and download it, so they'll get that and that will address some of what you and I were just talking about in terms of daily rituals. In just a few weeks, I'll be sending out my end of the year wrap up and I always send out a dozen or so questions for people to ponder at the end of the year and the start of the new year. So people can get that. But I'll share a couple of them here. You know, I think the first one is, you know, what did you accomplish? What are the highlights from the past year? And really, what did you learn from the past year? It's one thing to say, okay, I did this thing, or I had this success. But what did I learn from it? What did I learn about myself, who I am in the world, how I want to show up, and how I want to continue to be? And then I think another really critical question to ask is... What am I ready to let go of? Mm, Yeah, that's good. What am I ready to let go of, release, to leave it behind? And Mm -hmm. if you have a long list, and I I don't know about your moms who are listening, but if you're anything like me, you've had a challenging year. And maybe it's been a challenging two or three years. You know, it kind of started in 2020 with the pandemic. (laughs) And it's been a rough ride for a lot of folks. You know this, Colleen. I was in a near-fatal car accident earlier this year. And it's been a challenging year of healing and recovery, and I'm back, and I'm feeling really good now, and I am ready to let all of that go Mm -hmm. (laughs) and leave it in the old year, and not take anything residual into the new year.
0: That's so awesome. And I want to add one thing: is I got together with some of my friends, and so for a kind of a holiday meal, I was asking what was one of your highlights this year? Because not all of us see each other. In, some of us have, haven't seen each other in a while. And it was interesting to me is, first of all, they couldn't remember that. They couldn't recall anything. Well, they said, well, wait a minute. You go, you go, you go. I can't think of anything. So I think that that's the point of why we would do this. Mm-hmm. Because there are hard things, for sure for you, Yeah, you had this horrible car accident. So it could be like, there's no highlights. But then, well, yeah, you published a book. Right. And I think all of us have some version of that. Yes. We had this really hard thing that just took so much out of us. But there are highlights. And it's not highlights like it didn't have to be like it's your highlight. It doesn't have to be anybody else's highlight. But it could Mm be, I got to walk To Starbucks every morning. That was a highlight. It could be that, but I think if you feel like last year is a blur and I just want to let it all go, I would encourage you, moms, to kind of glean that there's probably some treasures in your year, and don't let the hard stuff just blind you to those things.
1: Eclipse it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I always encourage folks when they do a year-end review to actually pull out your calendar. And I still have a paper calendar. (laughs) I realize I'm old school. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're old school together. But you know, you can flip through your electronic calendar as well and just kind of go through month by month and say, wow, what happened here? And you might forget, oh, yeah, you know, I went to this wedding or, oh, that's right. I had a new nephew who was born into the family or, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, my daughter got this incredible award at school. And we got to go celebrate with her. So I think taking time to go month by month is valuable. And to add to that, just look through your photos. Hmm. Yes. Look through your photos for the past year. That's a great idea. I'm gonna borrow that, Colin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna add that to my recommendation list. <laughs> right, there that's you probably, go.
0: Yeah. Because you probably, don't you don't take pictures of the worst things in your life. You take pictures of the highlights. Yes. That's so true.
1: And one thing I'll add too, just in terms of adding more of a ritual element, not just reviewing and journaling, although that in itself can certainly be a ritual. But if you have things that you're really ready to let go of or things that are really hard from the past year, write them on a piece of paper and burn them. Just let them go. And especially if you can do that with other friends and other people. I remember when I was living in Houston, I used to do some New Year's Day retreats and we would write our stuff and burn it. And it's a very freeing feeling to transmute that energy and say, I'm done with you, move along. Let's invite in the next thing. Because then What what happens is it creates a vacuum and it creates this, you know, the tabula rasa, the clean slate. And then from there, it's like, okay, so now what I want for this new year. You know, another fun ritual thing to do in terms of setting intentions for the new years is creating a theme for yourself or a word for the year. Is that something that you do? Have you done that? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What what was your word for the past year or your theme? Confidence. Oh, nice. Yeah. Embodied confidence. Embodied confidence. I (laughs) love that. Mine was surrender to the divine flow. Oh, that's good. And I had to do that this year. (laughs) Wow. I think you need something like happiness next year. I do. I need like peace and ease next year. (laughs) (laughs) But that simple act of thinking about a word for the year or a theme for the year is a great thing to do for yourself. But again, it's a good thing to do with your family. You know, talk to your daughters and your sons about it, any of your relatives, really, and just say, well, what's your theme for the year? And why did you pick that? And why is that important for you? And why do you want to invite that into your life this year? When you're in tune with the people that you're living with or that you're close to and you know what their themes are and what they're desiring to attract in, then that helps us all to witness and support one another.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And I would also add that you want to do that with your friends.
1: Yes. (laughs) Always fun, especially with girlfriends. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, I could talk to you forever, for sure. But we have to kind of end this. So how can moms contact you? And again,
1: tell us about your free gift. Sure. They can go to my website, elizabethbarber.com. And Barber is spelled B-A-R-B-O-U-R on the end. And yes, if you scroll down to the bottom, there is a place to sign up for my seven daily habits for self-care, sanity, and success. (laughs) And some of the things that we've talked about today will be in there. And then I usually send out a newsletter maybe twice a month. So I don't bombard people with too much information, but hopefully valuable insights and certainly with rituals. And of course, you know, people can follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Elizabeth Barber, and I'll be sharing those links with you as well.
0: And I'm assuming that moms could get sacred celebrations, designing rituals to navigate life's milestone transitions anywhere books are sold?
1: Yes. And on Amazon is a good place to do it. And it is available on my website too. If folks are interested, well, I haven't even talked about the sacred celebrations, but um, I also have a jewelry line and a product line. And so people are bundling gifts and buying books and bracelets and gifts. So that's the sacredcelebrations.com website as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Colleen. Always a delight talking with you.
0: This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting, Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it. If you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review, this makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning best-selling books, God Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial of the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold, and you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, and that has two L's and two E's.